When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 73 of District of Conservation. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. March is Women's Month. And I thought, what better way to honor some women of conservation than to bring on one who is actually doing tremendous work. We are going to be sitting down with Hannah Downey. I actually sat down with her last week uh, while she was in Washington, D.C. And Hannah and I first met about a year ago, or not quite a year ago, but I should say last summer. It feels almost like a year. Time goes by when you're working in policy and in the Washington, D.C. area. But we met last summer at a summit for conservation in the center right space. And I really enjoyed getting to know her. And we've talked back and forth offline. Here is Hannah's bio from her organization website. So Hannah, for those of you who don't know, is the policy director for the Property and Environment Research Center based out of Bozeman, Montana, PERC for short, that's the acronym, and her role entails the following, and here's a snapshot of her biography. Hannah Downey is the policy director at PERC, helping to bring PERC ideas to the policy world. Her writing has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, The Hill, the Salt Lake Tribune, and local papers. After being introduced to PERC, her freshman year of college, she pursued the ideas of free market environmentalism and became a research assistant as a senior. She graduated from Montana State University with degrees in economics and political science in 2015. Though she grew up in the Midwest, Hannah was lucky enough to spend her summers in Montana. Throughout college, she worked as a backpacking guide in the Absaroka Beartooth Wilderness. Hannah now calls Bozeman home and fills her spare moments with skiing, mountain buying, and enjoying the wonderful outdoors. Here is our conversation with Perks, Hannah Downey. Check it out. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining the podcast. We're here in Washington, D.C. You're visiting from Montana. Yes. And uh, we're excited to talk conservation, free market environmentalism, and everything. But why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and talk about how you developed an interest in the great outdoors? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast. Uh, my name is Hannah Downey. I'm the policy director at PERC, the Property and Environment Research Center in Bozeman, Montana. We are um, a research and conservation organization dedicated to exploring market solutions to environmental problems, uh, focusing on a lot of natural resource issues, public lands, water, wildlife, all of that wonderful stuff. How exactly did you get interested in the outdoors? Was it your upbringing in Montana? I think people, I mean, we should humanize ourselves better as conservationists, especially (laughs) those of us who incline ourselves to center-right politics. But can you kind of share how you came to be interested in this uh, portfolio of issues? Yeah, so I am definitely one of those people uh, where my my use of the outdoors actually spurred my love for conservation and my desire to to engage on environmental policy. Uh, Growing up, my family did a ton of backpacking and hiking and skiing and all of that good stuff. I actually celebrated my first birthday 10 miles back in the Beartooth wilderness of Montana <laughs> at a Crow Lake. And I still think my parents were maybe a little bit crazy for bringing their uh, 
basically toddler <laughs> that far back into the wilderness. But uh, I grew up with a lot of dirt under my fingernails and skin knees. So through that, I really just came came to love all that is outdoors, not only for recreation purposes, but the more I started to realize that the land and nature are what sustain us. You know, it's where you get your food, your clothing, your shelter, um, your, your air that you breathe. It's, it's also important. And so the more that we can... The more that we can work together to try and preserve those things, both for for uh, practical use and survival, and also just fun, is is a great thing to do. That's awesome. Why don't you explain more about what Perk does? Because it's different from your conventional environmental organization, and uh, we've talked online, offline, excuse me, about how the issue tends to lean more left politically. Uh, there are not really much of market solutions presented. They believe government spending is going to kill or uh, quell, excuse me, societal environmental ills. They think spending is the problem. They don't really bring on different stakeholders. So talk about how Perk tries to counterbalance that narrative or counterbalance that approach that is kind of the mainstream view of environmentalism. Yeah, absolutely. So Perk, uh, we're a little bit different in that we are truly rooted in, uh, in research and conservation and trying to look for good solutions. Uh, we don't of course, we try and support good solutions, but we aren't your usual advocacy group where we just look for signatures and and uh, look for sound bites. We're we're in there doing some incredible research. We have a great research team looking to see how how property and rights and markets. The idea is that you take care of of what you clearly own, and that designating responsibility uh, for conservation is a good thing. And that in trade, you're able to appreciate how other people value resources, so that we can help allocate resources to to their best use and and. That that is largely for conservation purposes. Um, so we, we do a lot of work on things like water markets. How do we trade water to leave leave water in stream for trout rather than pulling it out for irrigation? Um, how do we get the incentives right for endangered species recovery? How do we learn from the business community and, and the incentives for how to properly manage our, our public lands? How can we reduce deferred maintenance backlogs? How can we restore our forests and bring in private groups to help in that so that we reduce wildfire risk. That's kind of the, the area that PERC comes from, looking at solutions and saying, how can we do this, um, maybe without government regulation, but instead through involving people, getting those incentives right, and ultimately looking for those solutions that are collaborative and sustainable. So what are you guys focusing on currently? I love reading your uh, quarterly newsletter magazine that comes out. It's really informative. And as someone who believes in free market environmentalism, I find it to be a good source of knowledge. Uh, but you guys have current initiatives. What are you guys going to be focusing on in 2020? Absolutely. 2020 is a big year for us. Uh, I kind of sort it into a few categories of water, wildlife, and lands. Uh, we're doing, on, on water, continuing to look at watershed restoration, largely from uh, forest restoration angle. So how can we collaboratively get groups in uh, to look at kind of private funding sources, public-private partnerships, to enable our public lands foresters to, to do better work so that our watersheds stay healthy. That way, um, you know, without fires, we're able to keep those streams clean. Water downstream is, is ready for people to drink, use, enjoy. Fish love it. <laughs> Wildlife loves it. Things like that. That's a water's a big area there. Um, on wildlife, continuing to work on Endangered Species Act. We're looking a lot at, you know, the Endangered Species Act has been really effective at preventing species extinction. Uh, but at the same point in time, 
a, a lot of these species just continue to sit on the list right. in this in this so-called emergency room. Um, and it, so, what is it like? Only three percent have been successfully endangered or threatened have been successfully recovered. That's a huge problem. Why is correct? Are, yeah, not Cor- many species are taken off the list or delisted. Correct, and that's um, again, you know. 99% of species haven't gone extinct. That's great. Less than 3% of species have moved out of the emergency room. That's something we got to think about. And a lot of that has to do with the incentives and how do we engage uh, the private landowners who provide so much of the habitat for these endangered species. And one of those things is looking at the incentives. Are there ways that we can make wildlife an asset rather than a liability for landowners? And some of that is looking at the regulations and saying, how do we kind of remove punishment and instead enhance uh, motivation and positive rewards for engaging in habitat conservation and species recovery. So that's always a big one for us. We're working on wildlife migration corridors. Again, how do we um, how do we engage landowners in providing elk habitat in Paradise Valley right outside Yellowstone? When elk come through, they destroy fences, they eat hay, they can transmit disease to cattle. And so there's a risk there. And we're looking at market tools that can help mitigate that risk and instead make those elk an asset for uh, sportsmen, conservationists, visitors to Yellowstone so that we can all enjoy enjoy the wildlife that's there. Um, on a lands area, we are always interested in in public lands and enhancing our conservation and outcomes on on public lands. With the parks, uh, national parks, we've been looking a lot at Restore Our Parks Act and some of those creative endowment type funds so that we're not only able to fill the hole that has become deferred maintenance backlogs, but also look forward and continue to engage in some of that cyclic maintenance and and needed restoration so we're able to prevent today's maintenance from becoming tomorrow's deferred maintenance. Um, Again, on that same note, looking at how do we involve users in conservation funding. Every time you go to the parks, you, you pay a fee to enter. A lot of that money stays right in the park to make a difference on the ground. Looking at those ideas, how can we promote that? How, as conservationists, can we can we better engage in funding the landscapes we love? So, got a lot going on, uh, but yeah, we're excited to take it on. <laughs> yeah, that brings us to a topic of nuance in the conservation policy discussion. Uh, There's a lot of heated issues that have come up about, obviously, park funding, but one, obviously, is uh, LWCF Land and Water Conservation Fund. Also, the National Monuments issue lingers on often, and we were talking a little bit about that, but how important is it to get and communicate nuance in this? Because I feel like a lot of sportsmen fall into the trap that they must be for or against or against certain measures without reading so much into it, like let's say in the National Monuments thing, where it may sound great on paper, but when you kind of comb through the details extensively, you see that it actually pushes out hunters and anglers from accessing land. It's very complicated, and certainly you can illuminate more on it, but but why is it important to have that? Because I think some people kind of just willingly place trust in policy let's say government, um, instituting and setting out aside more land in circumstances like that, um, rather, in, in, in all that. But uh, that can be, and have a lot of, complica- in, excuse me, that can have a lot of implications yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there. And, and awarding government too much power, perhaps, with designated lands can also be complicated, too. And, and not allowing states to have control over, let's say, Ninth or Tenth Amendment issues or setting out certain <laughs> regulations is also kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
problematic too. So why is nuance important in those types of issues that may not be discussed but can attract a lot of controversy? Yeah, nuance, it, nuance is so important, especially in the conservation world. I mean, there are so many factors to consider when we weigh an environmental issue. Um, one is the incentives, right? Are we actually, there's a lot of unintended consequence where what might sound good on paper actually doesn't play out well on the ground. Uh, so that's really important to look at and think about, well, what sort of incentives are we creating here? And, and are we rewarding or punishing people? And, and people will respond differently to those sorts of things. Additionally, when we're weighing environmental decisions, so much comes into play. We're considering wildlife, we're considering water, we're considering recreation, we're considering access, we're considering competing demands on a landscape ultimately. And that's what conservation boils down to is how do we allocate scarce resources amongst those competing demands? Um, and that's where, I mean, at Perk we look largely to markets, but I think for, for the average person listening, it's important to go beyond um, go beyond the headline. Take the time to to sit down and maybe read another side of the story. Take the time to actually uh, read the documents that are associated with decisions. They can be super confusing and complicated. So oh, ask ask those questions. Be willing to shoot off an email, pick up the phone, read another piece of information on it because that's that's where we're really able to learn some of those trade-offs. Oftentimes headlines or or sound bites make it sound so black and white when in reality a lot of competing competing demands had to be weighed in making those decisions. You can agree with how how those were weighed or not, uh, but take the time to learn those. That, that makes you able to have um, a knowledgeable conversation on it and makes you able to actually move forward into lasting change rather than just signing your name on a petition that who knows where it goes. Yeah, probably sold off to some other third-party organization <laughs> or campaign. Usually that's what happens. But could you expand more? We were talking a little bit about uh, LWCF offline and uh, national monuments and kind of um, not to place full trust in, let's say, designating those or perhaps um, reforming LWCF in its current form where it doesn't block out access or just lock off opportunities to access it. Could you explain that more? Because I think some people think that um, opposition to it or um, maybe opposition to parts of it means like you hate nature, you hate yeah. It's a big battle brewing. You know, like it causes a lot yeah. of schism in the conservation realm between maybe more left-leaning conservationists and more right-leaning conservationists. Could you explain that nuance a little more? Yeah, that absolutely. Especially? So I think, um, so the Land and Water Conservation Fund, a little bit of background for, for those listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it. It's a fund that's been around historically uh, for a really long time. and decades. Yeah, yeah. And basically what happens is uh, Congress created this fund where they take some of the oil oil and energy and natural resource extraction royalties, yeah. royalties and are able to put that towards um, certain, certain land activities, a portion of it. Just last year, the the fund itself was permanently reauthorized. Up for debate right now is whether that fund is permanently fully yes. funded. So yes. there's there's two elements there. There's the continuing the fund into perpetuity, and then there's also the element of uh, putting full monies into that fund into right. perpetuity. Right. And um, a, a big component of that is, goes to federal land acquisition. Um, and so, so there's always trade-offs with that. And we have to consider what are, in economics, we call it the opportunity cost. What could that money otherwise be going to? And, and while there's some great potential for money to go to acquiring in-holdings, creating access, some of those things, you know, acquiring land also comes 
with with maintenance costs and maintenance responsibilities on those lands. And so um, it's worth considering, you know, we can keep acquiring land and keep acquiring land, but we also have huge deferred maintenance costs um, on on our public lands and Restore Our Parks Act and some, some other innovative approaches are seeking to help remedy that. But it is important to consider you know, what, what are the costs of acquisition? What are some of the trade-offs there? And at PERC, we really look to enhance that flexibility and say, yeah, deferred maintenance is super important. Access is also important. How do we weigh those trade-offs and how do we make sure that we consider both of those at the same time? So that's, with LWCF and all the conversation there, it's important It's important to consider, you know, we have a limited amount of money. How do we want to spend it? Right. That's important. And I don't anticipate it going away anywhere. Like, I know with initial budget negotiations for it, people were very concerned, and rightfully so, but in budget negotiations, things are added, taken apart, put back in, and I saw the president tweet that he wants a fully, permanently funded LWCF bill on his desk. I did not anticipate him ever forgoing it and gutting it. Like, that would cause a huge uproar out west like and that's a very popular fund and certainly it can be tweaked i i I mostly agree with what you said about how uh being mindful of maintenance and access is extremely important to ensure that it's an effective program Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't push out people from potentially accessing those lwc f type uh projects or or public lands Uh that are out there. So it's important, like I said, to uh, have the nuance. But no, I think people can quell their fears that LWCF (laughs) is going anywhere. And uh, and, yeah, I don't know what led him to exclude it from the budget, but I did not anticipate him gutting it. Like, it's too critical of a fund to to get rid of. So Mm -hmm. anyone listening worried that it's going to go somewhere, it's not. (laughs) Yes, yes. It just needs some improvement. Looking looking into appropriators is is always an important element just beyond the president's proposals. Yeah. And he can't unilaterally, like, say, okay, this budget goes through, da-da-da. It has to go through Congress. It has to be negotiated. It has to be exactly. appropriated properly. Yeah, so the I think... Checks and balances yeah, in government. Yeah, yeah. I think because we have that in place, like, it was not going to go anywhere and, and uh, be dismantled. So, yeah, people, like you said, have to be very careful to read between the lines and know that... Wait, wait until, like, final things happen. I think yeah. it's important to wait till all the details come out. If you're, like, pursuing an investigation, you have to wait till all the details come out in that uh-huh. respect. Uh-huh. Hannah, is there anything else you wanted to add about what Perk is doing or kind of thought, your thoughts on conservation, kind of the future of it? Are you familiar with the R3 program, Recruitment, Retention, Reactivation? Are you guys doing anything in that realm? You know, we are a bit. Um, we do. Perk has a lot of uh, programs, both for, for scholars and workshops and students and all of that stuff. So we are always trying to work with new groups, new people, um, in, enhance the, the sphere of conservation to get more people interested and thinking critically on some of that. So um, actually, we, all, we do have some openings for our summer programs going on. So check out our website, uh, perk, P-E-R-C dot org, and, and check out some of the opportunities there. We love to work with new groups. Groups, whether it's in an official capacity or partnering on projects or attending events or even just talking about these issues. I mean, uh, this podcast is a great resource. Um, but yeah, the more we can, the more we can talk about these things and, and think critically in ways to find collaborative and sustainable solutions, the better. Yes. Uh, where could people follow you and also Perk on social media? What, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, at, on Twitter, we are at Perk Tweets. Again, Perk is P-E-R-C. Um, on Instagram, we're Perk underscore Conserves. And then if you're interested in connecting me with me, shoot me a message on Twitter. Um, mine's pretty easy. It's just at 
H-A-N-D-O-W-N-E-Y, Hannah Downey, pretty easy. So, yeah, we'd love to be in touch and, and continue these conversations. This has been fantastic. You've truncated a lot of really difficult <laughs> topics. We'll do the best. Yeah, no, no, of course, because it's so important to do that. And I've, I created this to do that as well and bring on experts like you and others, thought leaders, who are trying to make it convertible and understandable to people in our realm and to That's consumptive so users. It's so, so important. Thank you for so your I, role I, in I that. Re- no, this has been amazing. And I hope people take away from this episode that you can understand difficult subjects with people like Hannah. <laughs> or Gabrielle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. But yeah, thank you, Hannah, so much for coming on. It's been a joy to talk to you and enjoy your time in D.C. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Make sure you're following District of Conservation on your preferred podcasting platform. We're available on about 11 or 12, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, which is our preferred podcast portal you listen through because that way the more downloads and reviews we get the more we can climb the wilderness charts so make sure you subscribe and leave us a review over there that'd be greatly appreciated you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter to never miss guest announcements or previews of upcoming episodes and topics thank you so much for listening and remember to listen to us every monday or most mondays for new episodes, whether they are interviews, monologues, and everything in between. Have a good week. Take care.